Well, hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Doug Freefelt, and I am your uh, tech director here at Vertical Church. Uh, it's my honor to bring you guys the word today. But before I do, can we just give it up for our amazing worship team? They just did a, a fantastic job this morning, as they always do, just leading us into worship, and the tech team in the back as well. Just thanks to you guys as well. <clears throat> So uh, on behalf of Pastor Josh and Jessica and the rest of our staff, man, just thank you guys for coming uh, on a beautiful Memorial Day weekend. I think there's some extra kingdom bucks uh, that get deposited in, into your account for that. Uh, but man, we get to wrap up, I get to wrap up this final week of breakout, born for such a time as this. And uh, it's, it's been such a great series. Pastor Josh has been leading us into that. And my sermon this morning is titled this turning a moment, a moment into a movement, and specifically a breakout moment. I hope that at some point during this month, you've experienced a moment of breakout, and if, if you haven't yet, it's coming, all right? But, but as Pastor Josh said last week, neutral is not natural. Like, we're not meant to just stay in a place, and that's true with our breakout moment as well. Like, God doesn't want us to have a breakout, oh, and then just stay there right? God wants us to take that moment and continue to, to move with it, continue to make some progress. And so this morning, we're going to talk about that breakout moment, but also we're going to talk about some obstacles that might kind of hinder or get in the way of that movement. And uh, before we do that, I want to jump kind of right into some scripture before we pray this morning. I hope that you brought a Bible. I hope you brought a notepad. I hope you brought something. So get that stuff out and get ready. Uh, we're going to jump into Isaiah chapter 40 uh, in the very first uh, beginning of that. And it says this. Uh, this is Isaiah speaking. He says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. That's good news, right? And she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. A voice, call, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway of our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every hill, uh, mountain and every hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged place a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you right now for your presence. God, we love your presence. We pray that the Holy Spirit would just come and rest in this place, that he would move um, through my words, that he would move on the hearts and minds of all those listening. And God, we just say, give us ears to hear and eyes to see what it is that you want to speak to us this morning. We just say, Lord, all we want is you today, God. Lord, help us, lead us, guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, my family and I, we had just a phenomenal, amazing trip to the Smoky Mountains. If you've ever been down to the Smoky Mountains, Gatlinburg area, you just know it is just beautiful. It's, it's God's country down there. And um, we had, uh, we, we got to stay in a cabin that had just an incredible view. So I want to show you guys a picture that I took um, while we were there. One morning, I'm sitting, drinking my coffee and studying the Bible a little bit. And and I'm just like, man, I want to take a picture of this. This is really pretty. And so, you know, like you do, you pull out your phone and you take a couple of shots and you take another shot. Oh, I didn't like that. And so you move it a little bit again. And, and this is the best one that I came up with. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm a good Christian. So I'm going to post this with a scripture today. 
I'm going to be real spiritual about it. And so I started thinking to myself, all right, what, what's going to be good here? I need a, like a mountain scripture. And so I start like thinking to myself, all right, what's a good mountain scripture? And, and then nothing came to mind right away. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to Google it. Mountain scripture. And I'm thinking to myself, I want a good, pretty mountain scripture. And this is what I wanted. Go ahead and put up that next one. This scripture in Psalm, it says, Before the mountains were ever brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth or the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Like, that's a beautiful mountain scripture, right? It's small, it's concise, it fits, it's postable, it's tweetable, it's all of those things, right? Which is great. That's not what I got. (laughs) Before I even searched it, God put a scripture on my heart, and, and this is what it was. It says, who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you, have, you shall become a plain and shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it, which is Zechariah 4.7. And I'm like, I can't post that. That's, that's kind of obscure and, and hard to understand. And, uh, and I'd, I'd been somewhat familiar with this scripture before. I'd, I'd heard it and read it. And um, I'm like, I can't post that. And then very clearly I heard in my spirit, God says, you're not supposed to post it. You're supposed to preach it. And I'm like, um, same question. Uh, that's really obscure. <laughs> How am I supposed to preach that? And, um, and so we're going to kind of go on this journey of, of kind of what it looks like, kind of Bible study, old school style, to dig into kind of figuring out the context for this scripture and, uh, and what it means for us. And, and as we go through it, you're going to see the fingerprint of God as we always do in the Bible, right? But really, as, as God goes through this, and I love how, that we sang Waymaker this morning, which was not part of the plan, but you're going to see in this story that God has always been a Waymaker before we ever knew it, right? So we're going to jump into a little history lesson here. Um, I'm a little bit geeky. Uh, I'm a tech guy, and so I like to get into the details. I have a study Bible that shows cross-references and dates and all different kinds of things. And so I love getting in there and just finding out where stuff is. And so we're going to kind of dig into some dates, do a little bit of history here in a minute. So starting in 700 BC, approximately, we get Isaiah. And he's a prophet to Judah and the surrounding areas. And he writes chapter 40, which we just read a few minutes ago. And he, read it as a, he wrote it as a prophetic encouragement to a post-exile Judah. So we'll, we'll see here in a minute about how Judah was taken into captivity in Babylon. And, uh, and this was about 100 years before they were ever taken captive. Isaiah wrote that. So 605, Nebuchadnezzar besieges Jerusalem. We find this in Daniel 1.1, and this is when Daniel is taken to Babylon. So what's interesting about this time in history is Nebuchadnezzar, is uh, the king of Babylon, and he's conquering different areas. And the goal in conquering is not to destroy, it's to control. So they would go into an area, they would take it by force, and once they had it by force, then they wanted to control it and tax it and, and gain power. That's how they were building these kingdoms. And so they take Daniel and a whole bunch of other guys off to Babylon to, to teach them the Babylonian ways. What's interesting about this is that... Um, Daniel and his companions were the best and the brightest. These weren't just any random people that they took off into captivity. These were the people who were 
in the universities. These are your Harvard and your Ivy League and your up and coming in the political spectrum. These are the gener this is the generation, the leaders of tomorrow. They came and took them because they wanted to teach them their ways and then send them back because it's about control. And so what's really interesting is you've got Daniel here and you've got this starting to begin. And um, what's interesting is that, I'm going to stop saying that in a minute, what's interesting. It's all interesting, right? <laughs> it's just a filler word. Um, I don't public speak a lot, so i got to figure it out as I go. So if you're not familiar with the way the BC before Christ timing works, this is a countdown. So we started at 700, we're at 605. The number's going to keep on going down. We're used to the numbers going up, right? And so, you know, if, if you ever get in a, uh, an argument with someone about whether or not, like, Christianity is, like, with an atheist or something, you're like, oh, Christianity, uh, yeah. The entire history hinges on Jesus, Right? Like, how amazing is that? Like, every time you write a date, you're literally praising Jesus, right? So anyway, that's a, that's a side note. Um, but anyway, so 19 years later, in 586, Nebuchadnezzar actually comes back and destroys Jerusalem. They take Judah into exile, and the temple is destroyed. And that was not the original plan. Like I said, they wanted to conquer, they wanted to control, but they came back to destroy it because the people who lived in Jerusalem were not, uh, they were rebellious. They didn't stay in line. And there were some good kings and some bad kings in there who, who did what Nebuchadnezzar said, but ultimately they rebelled. And so Nebuchadnezzar came back and destroyed them and drug them off into captivity, into exile, just as was prophesied um, by the prophet Jeremiah. So we're going to fast forward a little bit more here into the, into the future. 538 B.C., which is another 48 years, we get King Cyrus, and he is the king of Persia. So Persia is the next big bad boy to come along in history and start conquering other nations. And he captures Babylon, right? And so now we've got this whole shifting of power again. He comes and they reorganize the government. And so what's really interesting here is this is also the same time when we see Daniel in the lion's den, it's the same story in Daniel chapter 6, is when Cyrus is taking over and things are getting reorganized. What's also really interesting about this is this next piece right here. This is the same year when Cyrus issues the decree. Sorry, one back. Maybe I didn't have the last point on there. Sorry, there's one more point at the bottom of 538 that's apparently not on there. But that same year in 538... BC, Cyrus issues a decree that's going to release Judah from Babylon, from captivity, to go back and build the temple. And so I'm going to give you just a little bit of Doug theology, because I haven't figured this out for sure yet. But Daniel, who was there at the beginning, taken off in the very beginning, is there in 538, goes into the lion's den, comes out, and in that same very year, the king, Cyrus, issues the decree that releases Judah from exile. And this is just my thought. Could it be that God knew all along, put Daniel in place at the very beginning to provide the testimony of the lion's den that allowed this king to release the people? I think that's pretty incredible. I haven't verified that yet, um, but I think that kind of like when you had, um, when Israel was brought into um, when there was the famine early on, you have uh, Jacob and his family who became Israel, and there was a famine in the land, and their youngest son gets drug off into captivity into Egypt, right? 
and uh, I'm blanking on his name. It's not in my notes. Joseph, thank you. So Joseph gets taken into captivity, right? Brought into Egypt, and then God has yet again made a way, way in advance, before anyone of you know it. Anyone ever know it? Wow. I'm going to take a drink. Before anyone ever knew, I was going to name this God's Great Rescue Plan, but I didn't. But he's, he's always been preparing a way for us, which I love. And um, so Daniel, at this point, had been in exile for 67 years. It says that he was roughly in his 80s when he went into the lion's den. Isn't that incredible? So uh, the next year, 537, Judah leaves Babylon. They, come, they leave almost right away. And they journey back to Jerusalem, and worship is restored, and they begin work on the temple. You see that in, in Ezra there. And then two years later, five, uh, 535, the foundation of the temple is laid. So this is after 70 years, which is also prophesied by Jeremiah that it would be about 70 years from the time the exile began to the, the restoration of the temple to begin when they came back. And I love this moment when the, when the, uh, when the foundation is laid. We find it in Ezra 3.11. We're going to read it. Here And it says this, with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, he is good and his love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise of the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple, these guys are real old, um, wept, <laughs> wept aloud when they saw the foundation of the temple being laid while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard afar off. And then the progress stopped. At that moment of great triumph and joy, it stopped. They didn't continue from that point for another 15 years. So I want to talk about what happened in this moment, right? They had this breakout moment, right? King Cyrus let them go, which is a miracle, right? You have a ruling, conquering king, king of kings, as they were called at the time, who let these people return to their land to rebuild. Like, that's amazing. That's a miracle in and of itself. They had a breakout moment from where they were at, and they had a word from the Lord to go and rebuild the temple. And they started doing it. So what happened? So right away, we could see, right, this older generation, they were discouraged, it, this isn't going to be the same temple that we're used to. It's not the same, not going to be the same grandeur, the same glory. You know, if you've ever read or heard about Solomon's temple, it was stunning. I mean, there's just wall to ceiling gold everywhere, and it was just beautiful. Um, and this is not going to be that. They can see it's going to be much smaller. They don't have the wealth that Solomon had to build this temple. And so they're discouraged at this point. We also see in the scripture that the sound was heard from afar off. It got attention. In Ezra chapter 4, we read that the people who were living in the area heard the shout, and then they came. And after, well, once they came, they started creating opposition because they didn't want to see the temple rebuilt. They didn't want to see it go the way that it was going. And so they got in the way. They created political problems. They got in the way. And so you have opposition. And then I think one of the biggest things that happened was the honeymoon phase wore off. If you're familiar with the honeymoon phase, it's that really joyful phase 
that comes right before all the hard work starts in a marriage. And, um, and some of you are about to get married. I know we've got a couple in the room who are just about to get married. And uh, I don't see, I think they're, there they are. And um, the honeymoon phase is amazing, but there, there's some work that happens. And there's also a lot of work that leads up to that. But so you had about two years. So they, they left captivity. And over the course of two years, this is what happened. They'd been gone for 70 years in exile. They traveled back nearly 700 miles by foot, camel, and those sorts of things. They get home, and what do they find? Their land is in ruin. And so you start clearing the rubble. You start making some progress. You get this foundation laid. Everything is exciting. And then what happens? Bang. You run into opposition, discouragement. And now you're all like, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> Fatigue sets in, right? You've just, you've traveled all this long way. And there's about, about 50,000 people who left exile and came back to Jerusalem. That's a lot of people, right? I mean, that's a lot of food. It's a lot of waste. You know, that's a lot of places where people need to live. You come back to a land that's in desolation. Like, these people got to go somewhere. And so I think that their focus shifted from the building of the temple, from the word of the Lord that God had given them, to some of their natural needs, to some of the things that were right in front of them. And so they had this moment, and it was exciting, and then it got real. Like, oh, man, we, we actually got to live here. It's kind of like being on vacation. You're like, oh, this is great. And then you come back from vacation, you're like, oh, we got to, you know, get the house ready for spring, and you got to start hauling all the stuff out and cleaning everything up and doing all the work and getting ready for spring. And, and then you build it, and you're like, I just, I'm kind of tired, actually. You know, it just got back from this road trip. And I want to I wanna take a break. And, uh, and this happens to us, I think, too, a lot, even just in other areas. You know, maybe you've had a breakout this month in prayer, like we talked about the very first week. Maybe it, it started out really good. Maybe you, you broke out of the trap of comparison for a couple of minutes and then got sucked right back in on social media. What about Pride. Maybe you had a breakout moment from pride and you were feeling good and humble about yourself and then all of a sudden you realized you were prideful about not being prideful. <laughs> How about those pigs that Pastor Josh mentioned last week? Entertainment, social media, those things that want to steal your time and your precious things. Maybe you started something good. Maybe you started serving here at the church, putting in some time, helping to build the kingdom here. Maybe you were doing a really good job reading your Bible plan this year and then you kind of fell off or you got behind and now you're like, oh, what's the point? Keep up, keep going. Like, don't give up on, on your Bible plan. I know, I know that there are times and seasons where you get a little bit behind on that and you feel like quitting, but don't. Keep going. Maybe make a little extra time to catch up at some point if you can find it. Do that, but don't quit. And then quality time. Quality time and intimacy with God, Right? That, that quiet time, it's so easy to get busy and distracted and lose our focus on just being with God and, and enjoying his presence, how sweet his presence is, like in worship this morning, just to sit there for a moment and everything else just, whoosh, it's just you and Jesus for a minute. It's so good. You know, and so maybe things went good, maybe things went bad, but things start humming along and life happens, right? We get discouraged, we run into opposition, we pray less, we serve less, we read less, we call it just a season. Oh, I'm just going to take a season. I'm going to take a minute. And then 15 years go by, and you've done nothing. 
right? That's what happened to Judah. That's what happened to the people rebuilding the temple. It's 15 years went by because they lost their focus. And they made a little bit of progress along the way, but it really didn't amount to much. And what I love is that uh, God came and very lovingly corrected his people. He didn't come angrily, but he came lovingly through the prophets Haggai and Zechariah. And so we're going to read a couple of scriptures, uh, one from each, one from Haggai, one from Zechariah. And their audiences here are a couple. There's to the people uh, of Judah, and there's also to the leadership at the time, which is the governor Zerubbabel. And so through Haggai, he's primarily talking to the people. And this is what it says in Haggai chapter 1, starting in verse 3. It says, The word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses? Well, this house remains in ruin. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but have never had enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages, but only to put them in a purse with holes in it. it sounds frustrating. This is what the Lord God Almighty says. Again, he says this. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains in ruin, while each of you is busy building your own house. See, you can see in the very beginning of that scripture, they talk about paneled houses. You can read that as extravagant they were building themselves extravagant homes, which is not to say an extravagant home is a bad thing. The, the, the point of this scripture is their focus and their priority. They got distracted on all of these other things. And because of that, everything else in their life started to suffer, right? Everything they planted didn't come up the way it, it could have or should have. They didn't have the blessing of God on their life because they were being disobedient to what he had called them to. And what I like in this is it's not God being angry. It's God like a father. He's coming in saying like, all of these things aren't working well because you're not doing what I told you to do first. Like, you know, how, uh, most of us I think in here have kids or, or um, I know I do. I've got three sons and I will give them an instruction. I will tell them something to do because I know that's the best thing for them to do. And then they either start to do it and don't finish it, or they just skip what I said and go do their own thing. And then something bad happens, right? They get hurt, right? It's like, no, don't do that. You're going to fall. You know, something like that. Don't put your hand on that. It's hot. You know, and then they do their own thing, and then it doesn't work out well for them. And this is what God is saying. He's lovingly correcting and saying, like, guys, like, all of this isn't going well because you're neglecting what I called you to. And so uh, that's God to the people, like a father, which I love. And then in Zechariah, God is addressing the leadership, which is specifically Zerubbabel. And here we get back finally to Zechariah chapter 4, which if we remember the scripture that God pointed me to, this is the one. And so this scripture that we're going to read in uh, Zechariah chapter 4, verses starting in verses 6 
it's sandwiched kind of in the middle of a vision that God gave Zechariah. And so there's a little bit of odd imagery in here that I'll explain, but hang with me as we read through this and then it'll all make sense. So this is the word of the Lord that came to Zerubbabel through the uh, prophet Zechariah. Um, And uh, I don't have it out for you guys to see, but both of these prophetic words came in the same year to both the people and to the leadership. So this is kind of a unified word from God for their time. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain and shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of his temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the earth. So in this scripture, we actually see God addressing the two other concerns of opposition and discouragement. Verse 10 is the old generation mourned. But God says, who's despised the day of small beginnings? I, the Lord, in the scripture, is saying, am rejoicing when the foundation is laid and to see the tools in your hand, the plumb line, right? So God is saying, I'm rejoicing in the work that's being done. Don't worry about that generation who's mourning, right? Verse nine, God assures that Zerubbabel will finish the temple. So he's like, hey, hey, I know it's been a couple of years and I know that you've run into opposition and discouragement, but you're going to finish it. Verse seven says, this great mountain This represents the opposition that they're facing in the area, right? And what does it say? It's going to be made flat. And then here's the key, verse 6. How is all of this going to happen? It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by his spirit that all of this is going to happen. This is actually a shift in most of Old Testament where God is talking about his spirit moving in such a powerful way. Because the, uh, if you look at when David wanted to build the temple, God said, hold on, I'm going to have, you've got too much blood on your hands. I'm going to have your son do it. And then God gave peace to Solomon and let Solomon build him the temple. And Solomon built it through the world's wealth, right? He, Solomon had so much wealth, it was built with all of this glory and splendor. And God blessed it. This one, God is building by his spirit. And, um, and so the building resumes right away. They obeyed God and got to work. And then five years later, the temple is finished. We find that in Ezra chapter six, verses 15. So what I love is how in these scriptures, God addresses three obstacles that can stop your moment from becoming movement. Okay, so number one is distraction. We get distracted, right? I mean, it's so easy to get distracted in this day and time. The other one is opposition, right? You start moving in a good direction and all of a sudden you run into something. You run into one of those naysayers. You run into someone who doesn't agree with what you're doing, even though you know you've got a word from God. And then those things usually end up in discouragement, right? Oh, man. And so there's one more step to this. I'm going to kind of go through kind of quickly because we're, we're kind of getting to the end here. And, and there was one more 
kind of like twist that God threw at me with this because there's, there's a scripture that you probably, or a portion of Isaiah 40 that you recognized and it's quoted by John the Baptist. He said in John chapter one, verse 23, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So it, it's pretty easy to see the link in that. That doesn't take a genius. <laughs> um, but I just, I love how God is making a link throughout the entire Bible. And because sometimes we look at scripture and we go, what does that mean for me? Right? This quote of John is a quote from Isaiah, which from us right now, Isaiah wrote that 2,700 years ago. So how does that apply to my life right now? Right? And, uh, it's much more obvious than I think we give it credit for. It says this simply, prepare the way of the Lord. That's what we're called to. Right here, right now, in this moment, each and every one of us has that mandate on our life to prepare the way of the Lord. We're preparing the way not for, so like, uh, these three guys, or these guys, all lived before Jesus' first coming. He came in the flesh. We get to prepare the way for his second coming. And so, um, what's that going to look like? Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 39, it says this But about that day or hour, no one knows. So, Jesus is talking to his disciples about what it's going to look like when he returns. So if you're wondering what the end times are going to look like, Jesus is talking about it right here. He says, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father knows. All right, so we can see right away we're, we're not going to know when it's going to happen. <laughs> um, but here's the key indicator. It says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, and up to the day of Noah entered into the ark, they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And so it's remarkable how similar this is to the Jews who were rebuilding the temple. What were they doing? They were just going around everyday life. They were just busy doing the normal things of everyday life. They were distracted. And what does it say people are going to be doing at the end times? The same thing. They're just going to be busy doing the things of life. They're going to be distracted. And so to me, that's the point of this message this morning to all of you guys is this breakout moment that we have. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy from whatever place that you're in in life to go, all right, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do my own thing. I'm just gonna be busy for a little bit. I'm just gonna scroll YouTube a little bit longer. I'm just gonna just waste a little bit more time because I deserve it. I've been busy. I'm tired. I don't what what's what's the point of building the kingdom of God anyway? And I don't think it takes very long to look at recent, very recent history to see that there's evil in this world. And the only cure is Jesus. That's it. There's no policy that can be made. There's no rules. There's no laws. There's no enforcement. There's nothing that can quench the evil and the darkness in this world except for the kingdom of God. That's it. And that's what we're here for, to prepare the way of the Lord. 
And so that's the point of this whole thing. And that's the point of your breakout moment is not for you to have a good fuzzy moment and feel good about your breakout moment and then stay there. God wants to see you move from that place to start building the kingdom of God. And all of that starts um, with a relationship with Jesus. John, if you can come up a minute. I'm going to close with this. And um, what I love, this one isn't on the screen, but John chapter 3, verse 17, comes right after a very famous scripture, John three sixteen, which we all know, or probably have heard. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But verse 17 says this, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So you can look at all of these scriptures and go, God's punishing people, right? No, God's lovingly correcting his people to bring them together, to save the world through Jesus. The entire Bible points to that. And so I'm going to give you guys an opportunity this morning to start that journey, to have a breakout moment right here, right now in your life by accepting Jesus into your heart. We see in Romans kind of what that looks like. And it's this, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's, it's just that. And so we're going to take a moment. Go ahead and close your eyes and just take a moment and just sit in the presence of God because he's here. He's here right now. He wants to speak to you. He wants to have a moment with you. He wants to maybe break you out of something that you don't even know yet. Maybe you need to ask God and say, what, what's my distraction that I need to give up? What's the opposition that I need to pray through? And for those of you who, who maybe haven't started a journey with Jesus yet, I think today's that day. I think today you can hear that call from Jesus that says, I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be that loving father who is with you and corrects you. And so with no one looking around, we're just going to pray a prayer together. We're all going to pray it together. And here's the thing. If you declare it with your mouth, like the scripture says, that Jesus is Lord and you mean it in your heart, you'll be saved. This this salvation journey will start for you. So let's pray this together. Everyone together say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive my sins and help me to walk with you all the days of my life. I believe that you sent your son Jesus, that he died and rose again for me. I thank you, Lord. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, can we just give it up and hand clap? I love that it says that, that heaven rejoices when even one comes into the kingdom. And so I think by 
order of magnitude, there's probably someone getting saved on a pretty regular basis around the globe. So there's a constant party happening in heaven. Uh, what's that? It's cool to think about that heaven is constantly just celebrating people coming into the kingdom and being part of this movement. And uh, so I'm just going to pray over all of us one more time before we dismiss and uh, we'll get you out of here. So Father God, we just thank you today for who you are. We thank you that you were from the very beginning planning for us, that you loved us, that you came, that you saved us, that, that whether it was a person in the flesh or a person in Jesus Christ, that, that you made a way for us. And it's by no might or, or nor power of our own, but it's by the Holy Spirit that we do all things. And so, Father, we just say, come with us. We say, come with us. Father, be with us. Teach us. Lead us, guide us. And Father, I just pray a blessing over everyone who's here right now, right now in the name of Jesus, that they would just go out full of your presence, God, that they would be filled up with you and that they would have a blessed week and their barbecues would go well. In Jesus' name, amen.